to episode 103 of Friends of Film, a podcast called Space Movies and Theatrical Releases. On this episode, we'll cover a bunch of new trailers, Artemis Fowl's cast, Venom's place in the MCU, potentially, and more after we view The Greatest Showman and Pitch Perfect 3. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and iTunes by searching Friends of Film. As always, I'm your host, Cooper Hood. Once again, joined by my man, Never Left Home Alone, on the holidays, Josh Straley. But I would know how to fight back if necessary. Yeah, you'd come up with all the... You know, those elaborate plans and schemes and everything. At least I think so. Home Alone at least made me feel like I could do that, right? Wasn't that the whole point of it? I think so. Yeah, to train kids to (laughs) fight against home intruders. Yeah, to combat, you know, bad guys, (laughs) whatever is at their disposal, whether it's paint cans, uh, Michael Jordan, Standy, or whatever it is. Oh, man. You can do whatever you want. (laughs) Uh, Those Those are two of the best John Hughes movies ever. Do you have, before we get into this, it is the Christmas season. You guys will hear this on Christmas, so happy, not happy Christmas, Merry, Merry Christmas. Christmas. Mixing up holidays here. Um, do you have a favorite Christmas movie or one that you, every single Christmas it's, you watch? It's, it's Home Alone 2, Lost in New York. Okay. Yeah, it's it's the best one for two reasons. Number one, like the character of New York that they paint and like that, it's kind of like irrecognizable today. Yeah. But just the, the whole idea of the movie is just like, it's like crime ridden hellhole that he gets himself <laughs> lost in. And then, uh, I mean... The uh, look what you does that look what, no that's the first one but it's uh, the shower scene with his uncle yes like if he's like if I go in there he sees me <laughs> oh Grayson I'll grow up never feeling like a real man it's <laughs> one of the best lines that they have yeah how about you man uh, the one I always go back to uh, whether it's just by myself or what with, with the family is always Elf yeah I mean Will Ferrell's mm-hmm. it's, it's a classic uh, it's great to see like. Where John Favreau is like gone oh, from, yeah. like it's kind of insane. <laughs> a um, B side character in a movie nobody thought would be a success, right? To, yeah, <laughs> to go to Elf, to Iron Man, Jungle Book, Lion King, and I mean he's doing small stuff like Chef in the middle. But yeah, I mean, yeah, uh, it, it's it's such a good movie, so funny, so quotable. Uh, I think one of Will Ferrell's best roles. Uh, just because he just mm-hmm. he he just <laughs> he is like that lovable elf that just so oh, out of yeah. place that it's. <laughs> It, it's great to watch Ron Burgundy. Well, Ron Burgundy or Elf as his best buddy. role. Yeah, Buddy or um, Ron Burgundy. Gun to your head. Oh wow! Uh, probably Ron Burgundy. Okay, fair enough. Um, but you know, yeah, I'd still prefer other guys over either. Oh wow! Okay, fair enough. <laughs> That's fair enough. just me though. Uh, I gotcha. Very. Very much in love with that movie, but uh, we'll see whether or not we are in love with these two new releases this week. One yeah. being The Greatest Showman, the other being Pitch Perfect Three. Uh, it's it's these are just two of what was actually a pretty big week of new releases. There was also Jumanji, mm-hmm. Downsizing, Shape of Water continued to go wide. Um, so it was, it was a it was a big week, and we chose these two movies uh, to review because we both had seen them, which yes. is uh, a plus <laughs> when we're doing a review. But also and quite essential uh, to reviewing them. <laughs> yes, but they also you know they lump together decently well because they are both musically uh, mm-hmm. uh, heavy. So I figured that would be a good way to go about this week and end out 2017. Uh, in a musical fashion, we're going to start with a review of Greatest Showman and then jump to Pitch Perfect 3. If we get into spoilers on either one, there'll be a timestamp in the description of this episode so you guys can skip ahead if you haven't seen the movie already, but hopefully you have seen one or both, and uh, then you guys can stick with us for the news. But it's my week to start, and for The Greatest Showman, I was going to this movie uh, little... My hopes had been dampered a little bit um because of just you know the reviews and general yeah, reaction okay. to it and i was like oh okay but I'm, I'm still i'm still interested in this i loved the soundtracks i already listened to it a couple of times and that was really what i was kind of going to the movie for was more of the soundtrack more of the song and dance numbers mm-hmm. the big spectacle of it all and i thought on that portion of the movie it really delivered i yeah. think all of the song and dance numbers were excellent uh, the showmanship if you will was on full display here for the entire cast, but also from, you know, a directing choreography, um, set design, all that stuff. It was just, it was perfectly executed. It yeah, all looked, for sure. you know, at, at that time, it all felt like a circus and it all felt big and colorful and fun, which, mm-hmm. you know, was what I really wanted to see. I don't think the story is anything special. Um, if anything, some may say it painted PT Barnum in too well of a light. Uh, it took out some of his darker, uh, portions as well as you know his treatment of animals and kind right. of his rise to fame and all that yeah. stuff so uh, i can s- that's where the movie wasn't that strong was the kind of the story of it all but it, you know 
it was still an easy one to follow. Um, It had, you know, decent themes of like acceptance and just kind of doing what you love and Mm -hmm. never giving up and stuff that you can get behind, even if the character P.T. Barnum isn't portrayed as uh fully as he was right. in real a life bit monolithic yeah um but I, I will say one of the highlights of it for me was zendaya and zach efron's chemistry yeah. i think their story is a little rushed because it's just like oh they're they like each other all of a sudden okay mm-hmm. they've had like one <laughs> scene before but like they work so well together and they play well off of each other that it that you know, that, that gripe kind of faded from my mind pretty quickly because they were just so good together on screen. I thought Jackman was great as Barnum, regardless of what part of his life they decided to show. Michelle Williams is really good at his, as his wife. And then Rebecca Ferguson really impressed me. I thought she was really good in the movie. She, uh, from a singing standpoint, but also one of, well, I think her final number, uh, I mean, I don't know how much of that is, you know, auto is, you know, post-production, you know, correction and all that stuff, but. Well, uh, I thought, cause I thought the same thing. I'm like Rebecca Ferguson. I didn't know she had that in her, but it's actually not her. It's Laura Alrin. Oh, so she does. Alrin, it's not yeah. her singing at all. Not her doing the opera bit for sure. At, at, at the very least. I know. Okay. But uh, yeah, like a voice contestant and winner, but yeah, I know. I, I was blo- She's terrific. Yeah. And I was blown away by that in particular. It's like, where's that been? Yeah. I'm like she should be on Broadway. Exactly. And then I was like, Oh, okay. Oh, that, that makes sense. <laughs> yes. Um, but like, even, even if it wasn't her singing throughout it, I mean, she gets mm-hmm. some really, uh, emotional, portions of the movie oh, totally. that, I, that I really liked and her arc surprised me because they make you think like it's going one way and then at a certain point it turned uh, based on the decision Barnum made and I was like well that surprised me I don't know if that's how it actually played out in real life or not but uh, that part of it surprised me and then again I mean just the song and dance numbers throughout whether it's the opening the closing the bar scene mm-hmm. uh, you know ferguson lip singing on stage or you know michelle williams and hugh jackman having a big number yeah. on top of a building it all all that stuff delivered for me and i really just enjoyed my time watching it so i'm going to give it four ticket stubs out of five okay awesome yeah very awesome and uh i think you summed it up really well in the beginning um i think this was this was initially supposed to be like a gritty bio not gritty but like you know a very realistic biopic mm-hmm. until someone decided or they all decided to go let's go musical route with this yeah. and then decided you know they paint over a lot um but they do grab some really good aspects of you know pt barnum and sort of turn it into something that can be celebrated uh to a very good extent and it's yeah it's uh acceptance but also you know um everybody's got something worthy of showing and, you know, being out there for and all the talents uh, uh, galore. And like you said, each one of these things is like a, the most well-choreographed music video you've ever watched. And it, it's really just a series of incredible set pieces mm-hmm. um, strung along by a, oh yeah, a fairly flimsy, you know, rags to riches story uh but it's hugh jackman in that role and it's just the guy is i've only i'm only familiar with him from less miserables okay Mm -hmm. like at least in terms like singing dancing and all sorts of things like that but the guy is so good that like you know i think i said this about his eddie the eagle role but when he like he smiles or anything just his charisma Mm -hmm. like oozes out of the screen and he's finally in a role where he that's part of the the shtick yeah so it all just flowed extremely well for me. Um, and like you said, Zach Efron and Zendaya. Yeah, absolutely fantastic on screen. Their song, Rewrite the Stars, together. Is that yeah, what it is? I yeah, I think so. At, at least they say it like enough times. I think that's the title. <laughs> uh, phenomenal. Um, and then, you know, uh, I mean, and then the music. I was turned down a little bit. I love it. Mm-hmm. But when I saw it all on screen together, I was like, wow, this is super, super popish," And it, it kind of did lose one little bit of a step because okay. it was like compare and contrast. I still love it to death though. Um, but I didn't, that did make me feel a little bit like that. And yeah, um, Michelle Williams, fantastic, a little bit underused. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, but you know, she's just kind of his wife and there to smile and or not, not completely there for that mm-hmm. because she does have a bit of a storyline, you know, yeah. um, it involves F- Ferguson and whatnot. So not totally wasted, but at the same time, yeah, it's smaller than you would have expected. Exactly. I thought it would be sort of, I mean, it still is, 
but it's sort of like a it's like a c plot mm-hmm. or if so of it and then you know um that that being but it did a really good job of uh you know just kind of letting fun be fun in the movie and i think barnum even says that to somebody about you know do you feel like you're selling something fake and then he oh, says yeah, yeah. well the smiles aren't and that's kind of like a, yeah, i think that's what he said that's the exchange with the, the critic I think. yeah that's right and i thought that's a really good summation of the movie um if not you know just movie like you know theater going and experience in general especially coming out of the last jedi and the very divisiveness around that mm-hmm. film like you know last week just kind of like you know this is missing some stuff but i am having fun all the way through yeah and uh all of that said though uh i would give it three and a half ticket stubs out okay. of five. Yeah. Perfect. Do you have anything spoilery you want to touch on or do you just want to move straight on to Pitch Perfect 3? I, I think I'm good. I mean, it's the movie really speaks for itself. I mean, mm-hmm. it's very straightforward. It's musical. Uh, if anything, I was surprised by the... Some of the... Sh- they didn't paint... Barnum in this m- film, he's... Not super monolithic, but the scrappier hustler aspects of him. Mm-hmm. Um, I was actually surprised by because I thought they were going to go straight, earnest, showman, do-gooder like right. all the time. But then he, he does have some conflicts himself. Mm-hmm. And then uh, we do see, you know, the the hustler aspect of it. Yeah. Even the, or, you know, the businessmen, or, uh, even though it was a lot grittier in real life. And like he staged like open surgeries and stuff, <laughs> <laughs> which I, I found out reading about that. But, you know, uh, I just think those are some things I was surprised by. Yeah. In general. Um, so let's go on to pitch perfect three. Do you want to kick this one off? Yeah. I mean, sure. If okay. You're, if you're good with it. Yeah. And I was defending this movie all the way through its production because I think you saw the first trailer and you were just kind of like, man, yeah. And I love Kay Cannon. Um, so I was like, you know what? She is like one of the, one of my favorite alumni from 30 rock outside of like Donald Glover. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to give the, cause the first two were great. We're going to give this a chance despite my reservations, but Despite my reservations, you know, the movie still I just had, it had nothing. <laughs> I mean, all right, let me say this. Every song and music number in this was very, very good. Um, I'm thinking of Freedom 90, like, I think it's, which is one of their closing numbers. Yeah. Stellar. I think it is the closing number. Yeah. And absolutely blown away. But that being said, once that number was over, I was like, okay, well, I was glad I, you know, waited 90 minutes for that. Right. But- I'm getting out of here. Um, but the movie opens with the action, the the fire action set piece that you see in the trailers. And I'm like, oh, oh, no, no. Oh, <laughs> this is not going to be what I think it is. And then, you know, it completes with the explosion. And then we get a smack dab on three weeks earlier. And I was yeah. like, oh. And from there, you know... Everyone's chemistry seems like it's it's there and it's fun, but it's almost sort of like not robotic, but it's been trained into them at yeah. that point. They know how to do their roles as all these people. And some of the earnestness is gone and it's mostly play with like no wing winks and things mm-hmm. like that. Jokes the third time around don't land. But that said, Rebel Wilson, absolutely best part of the film the entire way through. Um, Anna Kendrick is great. Brittany Snow, of course. And, uh, I can't even think of Brittany's name. Um, I don't have it here. I blew it. Okay. <laughs> well, moving forward anyway. Uh, Anna Camp. Oh, gosh. Heck. Okay. So it was. it's very awesome to see them all come together for this. I mean, especially because Anna Camp's or Brittany's, uh, the, her connection to the dad and the USO and all mm-hmm. of that. And it's really fun to have them like touring around and then, you know, coming up against like Ruby Rose and the likes of everyone else. Right. And like realizing, Oh yeah, we're like what way done for. I was like, okay, I guess that's the final, you know, step for them. But at the same time was like eh, the world tour last time around, I thought was the final step, you know? Yeah. And, uh, it just, it, br- <laughs> It's a completely pointless rehash of everything we'd seen. I, I enjoyed it to death. Uh, the musics and soundtracks are going in my car, you know, all sort of added to playlists. Mm-hmm. Elizabeth Banks and John Michael Higgins 
are still just as funny as ever. But I will say the third time around, it's just kind of like, all right. Um, you know where this is going. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right, he's going to say something sexist, and she's going to be like, uh, oh, nope. John. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you're so funny. That's not how that works. And uh, so on and so forth. Uh, but, but all of that said, the best part of the movie has nothing to do with the movie's plot. Um, it is... It is that set piece on the boat. It involves John Lithgow, who I was delighted to see in this movie and in his role. But I was just like, that doesn't belong in this movie. Just do a spinoff with you know, Rebel Wilson. You thought that was the best scene of the movie? I, it was the most enjoyable sequence. Okay. How about that? Especially with her, uh, with the nunchucks uh-huh. and all, all that. But that being said, it would look like it was like airdropped into this movie to make it better. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> I just think that's telling. Yeah. Uh, but you. Rating? Oh, uh, <laughs> it's it's just, it's just a three. Okay. I can't, I've got an emotional attachment yeah. to it and I enjoyed my entire way through it, but I was like, I think I just saw the first two movies smushed together with a different plot. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, if I had to sum it up into a sentence, I would say the final note of the Pitch Perfect franchise falls flat. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I knew within that first three minute opening sequence it's like <laughs> I don't like where this is going. Yeah. Like this is just this isn't this isn't pitch perfect. And like, you know, it's it's ironic to have this discussion, I guess, with Pitch Perfect after, you know, The Last Jedi came out and it's like, oh that's not Star Wars. Well mm-hmm. it is it's an evolution of Star Wars. It's pushing Star Wars forward. Right. And me, I'm saying this isn't pitch perfect and like but I I don't think it's not pitch perfect because they're breaking the boundaries mm-hmm. and like trying to evolve the franchise. It just felt like they didn't know what to do with the third movie and they're like, let's make it some sort of spy mystery. <laughs> yes. Uh you know, around the world adventure. And I'm like, what what is this? Um and like you I mean, I think it's kind of just a lazy excuse for another movie because Pitch Perfect Two did really well at the box office. Mm-hmm. They're like well, we have, we have to make yeah. a third one now. and But, like, it felt like all the cues they set up on the second movie, they just, like, threw them all away. Mm-hmm. Like, Haley Steinfeld's character isn't writing songs anymore. Um, Becca, like, she, like her and Haley Steinfeld, like, made that mixtape and, like, impressed um, uh, Key Kim. and Michael Key. And yeah. Like, I was like, oh, okay. So, like, that's probably where they're going to be at this movie. Nope. They've, like, haven't talked. They mm-hmm. haven't like she's like Becca's producing another company. Rebel Wilson's on the streets. Um, you know, Brittany Snow's trying to get into vet school. You know, I don't think she was majoring in veterinarian last <laughs> in the second movie. Yeah. I think they mentioned it, but in the second one, but I don't think they it was ever clear that it was like a, she loved pets or anything. She was um, failing Russian lit. That's all I remember. Yeah, um, and then like you know just everything else like um, like Anna Camp had like finished away she's like eh, i'm done being a bella like it's all in the past mm-hmm. uh, esther dean's character was like going to maine to get married that's right there's nothing of that in this movie they bring um oh what's her name uh they bring Ale- Ale- alexis snap back for like two seconds just be like oh you can't be in this movie it's like why <laughs> like oh, yeah. why is, is she like super busy she can't be in this movie like it just felt like everything that pitch perfect 2 and pitch perfect 1 had set up for a for a potential third movie, they just like threw all away. They didn't bring the guys back at all, which I like really missed them. Um, like I, I love, you know, whether it's bumper, whether it's Benji, right. I mean, just all of that stuff. They're all like, they just all get throwaway lines. It's like, Oh yeah, we're not dating anymore. It's like, what? Yeah. <laughs> like, how did, how did this happen? You guys have all been together for like four or five years. Um, but if there is a saving grace to this movie, it's the characters. I mean, like you said, it's kind of like effortless at this point for a lot of these actors, mm-hmm. but they still are compelling and they oh. still, they still make it work. The chemistry totally. is there and you really buy into it when they're the Bellas. Mm-hmm. Um, even if the story around them is just terrible. Yeah. Um, I, I loved Elizabeth Banks and John Michael Higgins. Yeah. You can see where the, some of their jokes are coming, but <laughs> yes. then the fact like, I love when they just like show up on the base and they're like, how'd mm-hmm. you get here? And they're like, <laughs> they're like, Full access, baby. You can't get rid of us. And you're like, who are these guys? Yeah. It's like it's it's a it's a funny recurring gag. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the other thing that kind of struck me by surprise is there was a lack of music in this movie. I felt like where we got kind of the big riff off, but the actual like acapella stuff wasn't really there. Like we got the closing number, which was great, and I was so thankful for because mm-hmm. I was like. Thank goodness they at least ended on a really great note. Yeah. Like they they sent you off with all like with everything together. You're like, oh thank goodness! Like if it had been like a 
one of their other typical like mm-hmm. stuff they had been doing the rest of the movie, I would have been super disappointed and you know left the movie just like hating it possibly. Because um, so, like you know I wanted to see them you know continue to have their mashups and all this stuff. We don't we get that like once and then it's just like. Yeah brief moments of them performing but then cutting away to the other bands performing like i don't care about these bands like Mm -hmm. you're not established well ruby rose is fine if that's her singing she's got a good voice but i was like i don't care like and then lithgow's whole plot i just really didn't like and care for at all um so where the movie ended up i was just like gosh this is just (laughs) this is not what i wanted to see fair enough but you know throughout it i still had some level of enjoyment on it because you know, the jokes were still there. The characters mm-hmm. that I liked were still participating in the movie. Um, but just, it just felt like they didn't know what to do with the third movie. So they're like, let's make it a, a spy movie just cause right. it's like, this isn't what you should be doing. Um, you know, they should have went my route and done the underground Under, yeah, break, sure. break right. dancing, bring in Channing Tatum and, you know, have the, have the Bellas evolve that way instead of becoming spies and learn karate <laughs> and all this stuff. Like it just didn't, it just didn't fit with what this franchise has done before. So yeah. um, I'm going to give it two and a half ticket stubs out of five. Okay. It's fair enough. I may be a little generous there just because <laughs> of you know, the history I had with the franchise, but I was just like, eh, I'll have to go on. Okay. I will say though too, like DJ Khaled's name. I mean, I know he's like the I'm not nothing McGuffin, but he's like the prize at the end of this or something like yeah. that. His name came up a lot. It was almost like they had to say DJ Khaled ten times in the movie. Yeah, DJ Khaled ten times. <laughs> Where's in the DJ movie. Khaled? Where's DJ Khaled? Exactly. Oh, here's DJ Khaled. <laughs> <laughs> Why? It was, yeah, I mean, it was almost like someone made the joke. Uh, that like anytime you know the end of the end games mentioned you have to like throw in DJ Khaled's right. name and it's just like all right all right we get it yeah he's the best etc etc yep uh, do you want to get into spoilers on Pitch Perfect three or I, I mean John Lithgow I mean like I love all I mean the only spoiler yeah I mean okay, I just have this so, one throw okay just line quick here. spoilers for Pitch Perfect three if you haven't seen it yeah John Lithgow is his Rebel Wilson's father who mm-hmm. is in the Australian mob. I guess so. Yeah, and it's just it was just like I love the ideas here, but at the same oh, time like it doesn't belong in a pitch perfect yeah. movie. So which hence, like yeah. We never got any reference that she had any daddy issues in the first two movies <laughs> and they'll be like, Oh, here's her absentee father right. who's part of like the mob. Oh, by the way, her mother saved up like hundred and ninety million dollars for her. Yeah. Also, by the way, that's all he wants, so when she doesn't give it to him, he's gonna be a villain. And you're like Right. Where is this coming from? <laughs> it, just, it just didn't fit. And it's like, that's what I like about the first two movies is that their villains are just other right. singing groups. Yeah. In this one, their villain is one of their fathers <laughs> that's just like wants money. And it's, it's like, yeah. where, where does this come from? The, the build, yeah. The, the buildup is really, uh, I mean, something like super niche and localized that no one really knew about pitch perfect mm-hmm. pitch perfect two, take that make it bigger the end this yeah. one where do you go and then yeah. they basically threw away its acapella premise like you said yeah uh, right up until like the very end mm-hmm. and that was when it's just like okay it's true acapella does kind of fall flat everywhere unless you're like pentatonic or right you know someone else that's like super successful and established with that uh, but you know, at the end of it, it's just kind of like, okay. Yeah. The end. Yep. That's, that's it for pitch perfect. I believe, I don't think they'll make a fourth one. Um, not, I mean, dep- depending on a, you know, a $200 million, $300 million showing, I would, I would think not. Yeah, probably not. But I mean, based on the way this ends, they really wrap it up. Be like, this is it. So if they, right. if they find a way to bring them all back again, I'm like, I'm like, Oh my gosh, <laughs> just give up, mm-hmm. <laughs> make a new acapella franchise or something. Like, I don't know. Um, so that's all we have for our reviews of greatest showman and pitch perfect three. We'll be right back in a bit with the news. And we're back with the news, and we're going to start with some trailers. This week, we have a bunch of them. We're going to start with a trailer hmm. I actually saw like last week in front of The Last Jedi, because it premiered in IMAX. 
the first teaser trailer for Mortal Engines. And how was it in IMAX glory? In IMAX, on the computer now, whatever format you see it on, I think it looks really cool. Like I don't know really much anything about it besides what they showed me in the trailer that yeah. the world, something has happened to the world. So now like civilizations move on these giant cars and they like are at war with one another. It looks like they're like trying to like take yeah. over one another. And I think that just that premise of it being like Mad Max type. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But like have political stuff in there as well. Like I thought that was super interesting and right. uh, it looks big. It looks fun. It's from Peter Jackson mm-hmm. uh, as a producer. He's not directing it. So right. uh, based on you know what he has done in the past, there's there's reason to believe that he has said it, that he can set up a lot with this movie. And uh, you know, we've, we only see England. I don't know what the other smaller you know vehicle represents. I don't know what country it represents. I don't think they mention no it. No idea. But clearly, I mean, they, they, you could expand this thing, you know, monumentally and just go all to go off the deep end and do all this sort of crazy stuff. So uh, I'm looking forward to seeing what this movie ends up being because this trailer intrigued me. Yeah, it was. It's absolutely. I mean, it's like the ultimate, I feel like it's steampunk at its pinnacle. Mm-hmm. Like, really? Yeah. Like, these, these like, super derby monster trucks, but 30 to 40 to a billion times larger. Right. Like, I'm like, oh, this is like Mad Max, only mm-hmm. people live on their cars. So, yeah. you know, sweet. And then all of a sudden, Great Britain, is that what she says? Or no, yeah. it's England or London. Mm-hmm. London, I think that's what she says, right? I think so. Yeah. Um, Leah Georgia... D'Onofrio? Is that right? Our lead? The lead? Sure. No? Okay, sure. maybe. I don't know. I just looked, Googled it right here because <laughs> I didn't know her name. Um, we are very professional. <laughs> exactly. Well, and then just all of a sudden, like, it just swallows up that, like, what looked like a super huge, mm-hmm. you know, vehicle in and of itself. And, yeah, I have no idea where it's going with it. It is based off a novel okay. by Philip Reeve. Um, who I think has like four or five of them out there. So like you said, oh, there so is a bunch. Okay. all sorts of places they can take, not just this movie, mm-hmm. but movies in general, especially with Peter Jackson behind it. Yeah. I mean, the guy is king of fantasy, uh, essentially. So all okay. on board. I don't, I don't remember its release date, but I th- it's not like in the summer. I don't, but it's not, is it? It's not like prime, like June, July. I think it comes out like later in like August or September where a competition is typically less uh, stout, which means if Mortal Engines at least gets decent reviews, then it could be really... December 2018. Okay. So it'll be going up against like, I think it go, does it go head to head with Aquaman? It's kind of jogging my memory. It either goes head to head with like Aquaman or an avatar too, right? Bumble, no, avatar, no, avatar two is not till 2020 or something. Um, it's like Bumblebee and Aquaman. And I think, Mortal Engines goes up against one of those two movies, but Aquaman's going to be the week after on the twenty first, and then like the animated Spider Man movie comes out that same month, yep. so uh, that'll it's, be a busy one. It's definitely primed to be the only type of movie in its genre. Mm-hmm. That's for sure. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, we'll move on to a Disney live action movie. We got our first trailer for this week, that being Nutcracker and the Four Realms. You just watched this a couple minutes ago. What did you think of it? Uh, I think it's going to go the way of Alice in Wonderland. Okay. And those, because I mean, those two movies didn't seem to do. First one did pretty well. The second one, though. Second one, not as much. Yeah, it looks like it's going to go that way. But I will say this. I was super shocked to see Keira Knightley in there. Yeah. Um, She doesn't act a lot anymore. At least not in anything, you know. uh, That mainstream. That mainstream. Got caught a glimpse of her this Pirates, summer in Pirates yeah. of the Caribbean. Um, now she looks like she's in a starring role for Disney, so maybe it was like a leap from one to the other, possibly. Right. But it does look like the it'll look in the same vein of the live action films that we've been seeing from Disney uh, all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, it looks like Beauty and the Beast meets Alice in Wonderland. I, I don't know. I. I really don't have an opinion on the Nutcracker. I don't <laughs> okay. think I've ever seen a Nutcracker film or the I play. I don't think I have either. Or anything like, like that. So I'm like wide open to interpretation right. on this. Which I think, I think, yeah, I think I'm coming away similar to you as just being like, that looks okay. Like I'm not blown away by it. I'm not like, oh, that looks terrible. Mm-hmm. I think the thing that caught me most was that it looked just a little more darker than stuff Disney's been doing more recently with okay. Beauty and the Beast, Jungle Book. They're, they're kind of more adult 
in their live action tellings and they are when they're their cartoons but at yeah. the same time this like it visibly looked a little darker but also you know tonally um so we'll see how that plays out i mean I, there was a report i think it was from the hollywood reporter like two weeks ago that the movie's undergoing significant reshoots soon with joe johnson at the helm and he is not the actual director of this movie. He is stepping in to fill the void Ooh. because the actual director has apparently scheduling conflicts for 30 days. He can't do this, which sounds like a lot of uh, you know BS to me. Hmm. 30 day reshoots, though. Is that a, all it is? I, I think I think it's roughly 30 days. I don't know. I don't okay. know the exact like number. Too drastic. I mean, that's that's a lot. You know, like most movies. I mean, like you know. Most non-Star Wars movies, I guess, they'll do like, That's you know, true. they do a couple of weeks. Two months. And like, tops. you know, if you go, if you go 30 full days, you know, you're getting into, if you're doing 30 days, that's, you know, a month, month and a half of, mm-hmm. of reshoots, which is, is pretty large for a movie of this size. So, uh, I'll be interested to see a second trailer for this and see if the tone changes at all, but we'll have to wait and see for that. Uh, we, we also got, I think when we get into some trailers that are, we're, we're more looking forward to, Sure, we got our first trailer this week for oceans eight. We did. Yes. And the verdict is wait and see, but good. Okay. I mean, most the trailer definitely hones right in on Sandra Bullock and Kate Blanchett who the, let me say it's weird seeing Kate Blanchett not in some extensive makeup or like in a fantasy world or anything right. like that. It was like Kate Blanchett. That's what she looks like. Mm-hmm. Right. Got it. Not an elf or not the goddess of death this time right. around. Okay. Perfect. Good. Or like in a period piece. I think that's right. where she finds herself a lot too. So it's like, all right, got it. And Sandra Bullock. And like, you do get the sense that everyone is going to f- play off each other really well in this movie, especially like Mindy Kaling. I really think this might be like, be like a breakout movie mm-hmm. for her because just like her, the one or two interactions that she gets like right away with Sandra Bullock, where she's like, do you really want to live with your mom forever or something like that? And then it yeah. flashes to a cutscene to like her and her mom yelling at each other. stuff like that. I'm like, if that's the comedy that's in this movie, I think it's going to do really well. Well, she'll have a big year next year. Cause she's also in a uh, wrinkle of time. Yep. So that awesome. and oceans eight. Perfect big things but yeah then we, we don't get too good of glimpses about everybody else but sarah paulison looked like she, her her thing was hilarious too with her kids yeah I'm like nope this is the mommy trip and then like puts her bag <laughs> in the car and everything's like that so i mean we'll see how it all shakes out plan wise because mm-hmm. that's ultimately gonna be like you know where the thrill of this movie is right um but they definitely have a charismatic and fun cast that looked like they're going to have, oh, you know, yeah. they had, looked like they had a good time on set together and things like that. But what about you? Yeah. I thought that, I mean, just, we knew the cast was great beforehand, mm-hmm. but just seeing it all in the trailer, you just really realized how phenomenal the cast is, um, you know, on their own, but also when they're together, it, it, it has the star power that rivals the first oceans movies. Uh, yeah. or, well, the oceans remakes with, you know, George Clooney, Matt right. Damon, uh, Brad Pitt and all that stuff. So, uh, I, I'm super excited to see this uh, now based on the trailer. I think the heist looks fun. It looks good. They have um, similar looking shots as the same kind of upbeat tempo that the Steven Soderbergh movies did. Mm-hmm. So I'm looking, I'm really looking forward to see what they do. They tease that George Clooney's uh, Danny Ocean is dead. Yes. In this, okay. in this movie now, it which took, is yeah. weird. It took me twice to like figure that out. Cause I'm like, I heard someone say, it. I'm like, no, I don't think they say yeah. it. But just because he's not in the movie, guys, doesn't mean he's dead. Then you said that he's sh- Sandra Bullock is sitting at his, you know, his grave site, and uh, right. So, so I don't, know, I don't know what the case is. I, I tried to look at it more carefully, and I couldn't make out what the, what year the nineteen hundred part of his, you know, mm-hmm. you know, his lifespan was. So I don't know if it was like nineteen sixty something, or if it was like nineteen thirty something. If that, maybe their dad's name is also Danny Ocean or something. Uh-huh. And they could just be trying to fool fan, fool uh, eagle-eyed fans out there. Or, of course, or it could be. Or they also just actually killed him. <laughs> or, they, or they killed him or he faked his death. Yeah. One of those two, possibly. Um, but, yeah, I haven't quite figured out what the bank heist or what the heist is this time around. It looks they're like stealing ne- the, the necklace. necklace okay. or I think six necklaces or something. Six necklaces fused into one. Something like that. Yeah, I'm not sure. Worth 150 billion or whatever oh, they yeah. say. Whatever. Yeah, because enough it's to ridiculous. make Sarah Paulson just drop what she's doing. Yeah, <laughs> um, so, yeah. gotta but, go. Yeah, and then uh, so you know, I, I do think it looks great. James Corden's in there for some yeah. reason. Is he playing himself? Is he playing somebody else? Don't I don't know. know. But I'm a fan of that dude. 
Uh, so. so there's a line that Sandra Bullock says that she only needs seven people to do the job. This is called Ocean's 8. And Hathaway has third billing uh, on the poster That's and everything. Right. Is she is not listed in that lineup of you know people that would be part of their team, but she right. is shown wearing the necklace that they look like they're going to steal. Do you think she's in on it, or is she, or is she just um, just an, an unfortunate part of this that she has no idea what's coming? I don't know because when they mention or when we first get a shot of her, it's also hooked in with Kate uh, Blanchett just being like, "Hey, no, stay focused. Don't, don't you." Don't yeah. try to pull a job within a job yeah, or, yeah. or something like that or a con within a con or something mm-hmm. like that. So I was like, wait a minute. Are they enemies and this is personal? So it's sort of like the you know the Danny Ocean yeah. from uh, Ocean's Eleven type spin. Or in the next scene, we then see Anne Hathaway taking the necklace off and like laughing like, oh, we got him good type of a deal. Right. So I was like, uh, what's happening here? Uh-huh. So, but I, it seemed like when they were assembling the team, she was a part of it. Yeah. So I, I'm not sure. I would... I would tend to think that she is part of it because that'd make more sense. Mm-hmm. I don't want Anne Hathaway just to be in there and get all this exposure and then be like not important to the movie. Yeah. Um, but maybe that's exactly what's going to happen. And that's just how the cookie crumbles, I For guess. Sure. So uh, we will have to wait and see how that plays out. We also got our first trailer for um, strangely titled Sicario 2 Soldado as the <laughs> official title it should just be Soldado but it's the follow up to Sicario Denny Villeneuve's uh, you know some could say masterpiece uh, yes starring Emily Blunt Benicio Del Toro Josh Brolin and the trailer looks the trailer for the sequel looks like it's gonna live up to the first if that I mean maybe ex- maybe can you maybe exceed, exceed? Without Emily Blunt, probably not. Without someone like... I don't know. I think you could maybe exceed a little bit. Okay. So I think you could... The, I think they have a reference... Or they have a line in the trailer that's basically like... there's Like Josh Brolin's telling Benicio that there's no rules this time around. Mm-hmm. And you're yeah. like, yep. what does that even mean? Because... <laughs> right. uh, I thought there was no rules last time right. around. Right. You watch Sicario and you watch Del Toro's character and you're just like, this dude's just unhinged. He mm-hmm. just doesn't care. He'll do whatever it takes to get the job done. And he has that great shot in the trailer. He just has, you know, his pointer finger and the pistol, and he's just running it back and forth, firing bullets. And I mean, I, yeah. I'm dying to see what else this does because Taylor Sheridan, who I love, mm-hmm. uh, he he returned to write the sequel. Yep. And he's been saying that like this one makes Sicario look like a comedy, like that's how much oh, like geez. more serious and dark and grounded this one is. And I'm like, I don't even know how you can do that. Um, I mean, visually, it's just super stunning. It's it's I, super intense, and uh, the part that I loved, we got Johan Johansson's score mm, came thundering mm. back. That uh, I love that score so much from Sakaria. It's just so uh, big and powerful. So I'm looking. I'm just so excited to see this movie. Finally, it was supposed to come out, I think, this year, but then they they pushed it, and I was like, ah, you're killing me. Um, but it, it it looks great. Yeah, even even though Denny is not back on this movie, mm-hmm. I think it would be. I am. I am finding myself very, I think it's very hard to tell he's not on it. Yeah. Or at least in the trailer shots because every one of them, I mean, I screen capped and posted a few of them up, up on our Twitter feed. Uh-huh. And it's like, okay, I'm, I found myself, I think I did like 12. And it's like, okay, yeah. let me cut this down to some <laughs> of my stop. favorites here. <laughs> but I mean, obviously there's like, like the, there's like the, you know, the iconic desert sunsets. Mm-hmm. Um, there's like Josh Brolin, like strolling through with what looks like a mound of weapon stockpiles or like drug pallets. I'm not sure which, but the one that just like blew me away is this, I don't know if it's a tracking shot, but it's just this following along this highway road with two helos in the background mm-hmm. with uh, two trucks. I'm just like, how did they get that done? It looks so right. good. And then of course, like you, I think you mentioned uh, Del Toro's just uh, rapid fire unloading into one of those mob bosses. Oh man. Yeah. And then you, know, you said, Oh, Hans had score. Uh, I worry a little bit that this could bleed into more of an action film Mm -hmm. than more of like a really slow burn um, drug drama like last time around. But Sheridan, I I just have so much faith in the dude Mm -hmm. because first time around, even though that's what the original one looked like it was going to be, um, I I passed on it because I'm like, I'm not a fan of those. But then they're like, no, it's deeper than that. I was like, okay. (laughs) And I was like, 
it was deeper than that. And I don't know if Danny EP'd on this or not, but it looks like they're, they're adapting the language and, uh, some story elements that they hint at in the trailer. It looks mm-hmm. like, uh, there's, I guess like Islamic extremists in there yeah, and no things idea, like that. Really. There, there was like prayer rugs and like suicide bombs. So there's just so many elements. I'm just, I just, I just can't wait to see how they shake out. Uh, but yeah, that made me really happy to see today. Yeah, and I'm this week. I'm I'm glad just that you know you mentioned that you can't really notice that Denny is not on it, but also yeah. like Denny and Deacons were behind Sicario. They did obviously Blade Runner twenty four nine together, and mm-hmm. the fact that you can still you get those Villeneuve, you know Deacons sort of shots in here from Stefano Salima, who's the yeah. director, and mm-hmm. then uh, Darius Wolski, who is the uh, DP. Yeah, the DP on this. Nice. I mean, the it's a it's a great way to. Uh, I don't know either of their previous works as far as I I know, but looking at what Sicario did and kind of replicating that mm-hmm. in a new fashion, I think is uh, it's a very nice touch. Yeah, a- absolutely. Um, but we also moving away from trailers, going to a new release, kind of uh, bright. Oh yeah, bright hit Netflix uh, yesterday as of this recording, mm-hmm. uh, and. Even before the movie even was released on Netflix, Bloomberg reported that Netflix had already ordered a sequel for Bright that will feature Will Smith returning as the lead role. Uh, there's no word on whether David Ayer will return as director Which? or if any of the cast members would as well. Hmm. Um, I have not had the chance to see Bright, but you have. Yeah, it's really weird because Will Smith dies like 30 seconds into the movie. So wow. I don't know why they would bring him <laughs> back. No, no, no. I'm kidding. But yeah, okay. Yeah, I did see Bright. Okay. And it was, I mean. Uh, the reviews haven't been great. I, it's it's dimmer than Bright, but still good. Okay. okay. You, know, um, you know how there's on your dimmer settings, there's all the way. Yeah. yeah. There's like. Mood, music, uh-huh. I would go slightly in the middle. Okay. You know? um, Premise-wise is why I showed up. Yeah. Will Smith makes it great. Joel Edgerton acting in orc makeup is – the dude's really good at it. I don't know how. <laughs> right. Um, but its premise just kind of gets cast away really quick, and then we you find yourself sort of in like a, a movie where – it's a cop drama, mm-hmm. but then the final set piece is, oh, that's right, we should throw magic back into this movie. Okay. So it's like, okay, you kind of wasted a lot. But um, if the sequel explores a lot more, mm-hmm. that would be really cool. And I hope Joel Edgerton comes back too because Will Smith seems like he's the only one signed up for this. Yeah. So I hope they can get him back too because their their dynamic really makes the movie work. Okay. Yeah, I, I was going to watch it last night, um, but we lost power oh, at my no. house. Oh, great. And so I, did, I just didn't have the time to watch it. But I've been super intrigued by Bright since the very first trailer. Uh, and even after the reviews came out, I was like, I don't care. Like, this still, movie still looks awesome. Like, mm-hmm. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to check it out yeah. either, like, tonight or tomorrow. Um, and I, I'm excited for it. I don't know if I'll be interested in a sequel. I'll have to wait to see. Right. But, I mean, hopefully – I mean, I like Will Smith. I like Joel Edgerton, and I, I want David Ayer to rebound. I want him to get back on track mm-hmm. because End of Watch and Fury are so good that to see Suicide Squad, and now the the reception to Bright so far, um, it's just like what what happened to you, man? Like, come on. Um, so hopefully he can get back on track, and we can get maybe a Bright sequel. Um, whether or not he returns to direct, I think, yeah. uh, is very much up in the air based on the current state of the movie so we'll have to wait and see but we also got a cast for artemis fowl Ooh. movie we've never talked about on the podcast before uh, because there really wasn't much to talk about all we knew that kenneth Branagh was directing the movie for disney is coming out in 2019 but this week disney announced the foundation of their cast for artemis fowl with newcomer ferdia shaw landing the lead role of artemis who's described as a 12-year-old genius who finds himself in a battle of strength and cunning against a powerful hidden race of fairies who may be behind his father's disappearance. 
Brana also reunited with his Murder on the Orient Express stars Josh Gad and Judy Dench, who will play Mulch Diggums, a kleptomaniacal dwarf who works for fairies, and Commander Root, the leader of the fairy police force, respectfully. Uh, fellow newcomer Laura McDowell joined as Captain Holly Short, hmm. and Nanso Anozi is going to play Butler, who is Art- Artemis's bodyguard. I don't know anything about these books. There's apparently eight of them. Yes. Have you? Have you? Do you know anything about these books? Have you read them? One of them made it into my Amazon cart once. Okay. But it never got bought. But I was intrigued by it. Yeah. It was almost think of Bright, only just in a little bit more fantasy type right. of the world. Um, it's like a mixture of like magic and technology and yeah. Well, steam, based on how I understand steam it, steampunk meets, meets magic. Okay. And, but also some kind of like a little bit of detective noir too, from mm-hmm. what I understand. Um, at least from book concept art, right. anyway. It, it kind of, uh, but that's all I seem to know about it. Mm-hmm. The the kid's like a, a genius detective type dude, and yeah. he's he lives in a fantasy world. Mm-hmm. So that's what got me, like you know, at least like, oh hey, I should. But then I never did. Right, right. And now there are movies coming out, so I was like, all right, I got like, stuff I have to, to read. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Um, but Kenneth Branagh, uh, I'm I mean I guess I'm not high off him from Murder on the Orient Express, but the guy always does a you know a bang up job with whatever he's got. So here we go. Yeah, uh, I again I I kind of knew this movie was coming, but I didn't really know anything about it until the casting dropped, and then I uh, kind of read a little bit more up on the premise of it, and based on the talent they've assembled so far. Uh, I'm intrigued. You know, I didn't love Murder on the Orient Express, but uh, I think Braun is a really good director, so I'm interested to see what he does with this bigger, mystical sort of movie. And, I mean, when you get, you know, Josh Gad, who I'm a huge fan of, yeah. Dame Judi Dench, of course, um, but also Nanso Anozi. I think he's really talented. Like, he's he is in Cinderella as, I think, uh, one of the police force officers or something, and then... Uh, but he's also is an Ender's Game, and he plays a very similar role to what's being described here as basically like a bodyguard, hmm. um, where he is like the leader um, of the force in Ender's Game that like trains Haley Steinfeld and Asa Butterfield's characters. So he has that he has that caretaker, um, Alfred me- mentor okay. sort of qualities to him that I, I'm excited to see that he's getting this chance uh, to take on a role like this. So. Um, I think it's a really good cast. It's a strong start. I mean, there's still clearly roles to fill. If his father's disappearance is a big part of Artemis's um, his motivations in this movie, you have to, I would assume, cast his father. Maybe they'll, I don't know if they'll go back to the murder on the Orient Express well to get Ooh, another somebody. If they did, who would it be? Who, who would you would like to say? I, I don't know. William Defoe. That's what I, that's where my brain went to. Yeah. So I was like, I don't even know where else you could really go. But he's the oldest guy on that train, so. Right. So is, is he too old? Is there anybody else on there um, that could fill the void? I mean, hmm. I don't think so. I think that's probably the only guess. If they if they went beyond Murder on the Road Express, is there a fatherly figure type that you want to see in a Kenneth Branagh movie? Liam Neeson. Yeah, he's I'll, old enough. I'll he get behind that. It. I'll get behind that. And I mean, he's done with action train movies. <laughs> Supposedly. Uh, so why not go grab him? Yeah. I like that choice. We can go there. Um, Game of Thrones. Oh yeah, he's, he's also in Game season of two. He's mm-hmm. the guy who uh, lies to them about stealing the dragons. Yeah, yeah, and then gets locked in the vault. Mm-hmm. That's that's also where I'd see yes. him from. Got it. Yeah, yeah, he's really good. Um, but the only thing we have to talk about today in terms of news is Venom. Yeah. Uh, producer Matt Tolmac was interviewed by MTV, and well, I'm not going to read the quotes that he gave because. Basically, he was just very noticeably dodgy when asked about whether or not Venom is part of the MCU, whether or not uh, Tom Holland's Spider-Man exists in the Venom universe, <laughs> um, which has obviously sparked speculation that Venom could indeed be part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Um, and you know, I guess it's just a decent way for us to talk about whether or not we think that's the case, whether or not that means that Venom, Silver and Black, that proposed like Mysterio, Craven the Hunter movie, if those will be ever made, if those will be part of the MCU too. Yeah. Do you think that Venom is in or will end up being in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, this iteration of it? Yeah, I think so. 
I I only say this because I mean like you mentioned this video and when people like you know there's you can say unequivocally no mm-hmm. or when something is like you wish you wanted to happen people are more than likely willing to like express concern about it being like oh yeah would, wouldn't that be the best thing in the world type right. of deal that's not really what's happening here it's kind of like uh answer I'll say oh yeah yeah but yeah it's like, uh, maybe. we're making a venom movie mm-hmm. that's all Tomac would say right. it's like exactly or you you'll be happy with the outcome it's like yeah okay <laughs> right so and we also know that this venom movie looks like it's jumping over to venom the military agent type deal right Mm-mm. no it's it's eddie brock, oh, I, th- eddie brock? I, I, I don't think they're doing the, flash thompson's arc yeah i don't think agent they're venom. doing agent venom but they're i don't think they're also really doing eddie brock in terms of like disgruntled here. reporter either yeah okay because right? i think the movie takes place in El- in los angeles oh, it's wow. based it's based on uh you know i think the comic arc is called lethal protector which is a arc where ironically after venom decides to not be a villain him and like peter parker yeah like, make good they shake hands and venom's like all right i'm gonna leave you alone and go to la and uh mm. that's where it looks like this movie is going to be taking place or maybe it's san francisco okay. it's somewhere in california gotcha um and there's like other there's a bunch of other symbiotes involved and um you know i think it would make more sense for it i don't know if it, they'll necessarily like this movie's going to you know, have a, a, a TV on in the background. You're going to see Tom Holland swinging through or if we're going to actually see that sort of crossover. But I think they'll leave it very open-ended. So they could be like, yeah, we'll retcon it and you're in the MCU yeah. if, the movie, if the movie does well. But I don't think they're also going to be like, oh, yeah, here's a Miles Morales Spider-Man, fo- you know, fighting around. Because they're like, well, that's mm-hmm. definitely not the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So... Um, and just like kind of just the way it's been talked about, I mentioned that, that Kevin Feige interview where like, you know, he was turned into a meme because of like Amy Pascal's response when I asked, he's like, oh yeah, they're adjacent. He's just like, uh, what, what are you, what are you <laughs> saying over there? Cause I think it is probably supposed to be a surprise that Venom does take place in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's part of some huge, um, you know, six movie arc where Venom actually takes place in the future or something, or I, I don't know how that's going to work, but I think it makes, it, it would make more sense. It would make me more interested in Venom if it was in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Cause how do you have Venom without Spider-Man? Right. It's a huge question. So hopefully is my answer. It's yeah. Just losing them to you. Exactly. Cause like if he is going to be Venom, where's the symbiote get the idea to be Venom or to mm-hmm. be, venom if you will right if not from spider-man mm-hmm. so is does, does the symbiote like you know slither up to the tv and be like oh spider-man okay right. got it <laughs> you know so there's got to be some kind of inspiration uh taking place but yeah i would not be shocked if like peter parker is in, in la or san francisco with like tony stark and he's like oh hey i'll go swing over and say hi to venom you know right and then, you know and that's like how the film you know ends or comes near a conclusion or builds up to its final fight or something mm-hmm. like that or even final fight with Tom Holland in it? I don't know. Because, I mean, listen, also. That seems. Because if out Carnage there. is also going to be in this movie, too, I think it's unsatisfying and completely disrespectful to Carnage to be, like, the endgame villain, mm-hmm. especially if he gets beaten for good. Well, nobody's ever beaten for good, really. No, that's true. And they're and getting away from that. So. Yeah. So I don't know. I just kind of hope. It is a surprise that there's a lot of red herrings around this film's production, and then all of a sudden, we know, we wake up, and it is taking place in New York, and (laughs) Spider-Man is a part of it, and he's actually the main anti-hero villain, antagonist. I don't know. I'm just saying words now. But, yeah, you know, it would be really great if this was, and I hope so, too, and I hope the secrecy is actually indicative of their plan. Mm -hmm. Well, even if I think this movie is part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, I don't think it means we'll see like, you know, Holland appear in the movie. I don't think it'll mean that Hardy is going to appear in the sequel to Spider-Man Homecoming because Homecoming is going to be filming before Venom even hits theaters. So unless they're like, they got to keep it real hush hush. (laughs) But if Hardy reports, if he, if Hardy arrives in Atlanta while Homecoming is shooting, the speculation is going to start instantly that, Oh, Oh, he's, course it's in there mm-hmm. i mean it's, it's that people are gonna take that as confirmation so i think they'll play it very carefully and i think homecoming 2 as a production is going to be super secret 
in general because it takes place after Avengers four and they've got to keep that, that stuff a secret for over a year. Right. So, uh, who knows <laughs> what's going to happen, but I, mean, I Pascal does <laughs> at, at this point, I'm leaning more because I think, you know, when we've talked about it in the past, I'm like, no, like they've said it's not, so it, it's not, but I think they, with Marvel getting access to all their other characters, yeah, why would you why, not? Yeah, why would you not be like, all right, let's figure out a way to bring you in on this too, because then mm-hmm. we can get our entire sandbox of characters. We can do it. Plus, if Venom works out, then their relationship with Sony is only improving. If if Venom fits into Marvel Cinematic Universe, because. Right. Mar- unlike Spider-Man Homecoming, Marvel Studios isn't directly involved with Venom. You know, Kevin Feige is not producing it. Um, none of the other Marvel um, EPs are involved. So if they can pull this off, then it would show that Sony is competent on their own. They mm-hmm. can do this, which then they could make a standalone s- movie in the Spider-Man universe every single year. Marvel Studios could make three of their own movies every yep. single year. And then once the Fox deal is official, the Fox version um, the Fox segment of Disney could make, you know, two X-Men movies a year. Yeah. Which in my brain, I'm like, that's so much. I don't know if I can keep track of eight different Marvel productions in a single year. That's a movie. Yeah. That's a movie every like 25 days, 30 days. Not that much, but based, I mean, it'd be every like 45 days or something. And there's eight movies in a year. Oh yeah. I did the math wrong. Okay. But still like that's, that's, that's so much. Um, I would love to try to experience that in a year, but do that on a that would be that would like harken back to like the golden age of comic books flying oh, off the yeah. shelves at you. It would be one s- from every property, one from every person, plus Avengers parks and things right. like that. Oh man, it would be so much. And maybe that's a topic we can do for a big question in the future: of like how many Marvel movies can we sustain in a single year, or how oh, many yeah. superhero movies in general. Um, Assume synergy between all Marvel properties. Right. Build a slate. Ooh, I like that. It'd be tough. But, I mean, we don't have a big question this week. Um, and as our last episode of 2017, figured it's a good time to announce that we're not doing the big question as part of our main show anymore. No. Because we're doing something else with it. Spinoffs and sequels. Yeah. Or no, spinoffs. Yeah, not sequels. I mean, I guess they'll technically be sequel episodes to the big question. If you consider it within the week. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So basically, we decided to try to keep our episodes a little shorter, but also maintain our content output. And we like doing the big question mm-hmm. that we'll, we'll do our main episodes still every single week. We'll probably, I think we're still determining whether or not we release them still on Monday. I think we still will, uh, just based on scheduling purposes and everything. Um, so we'll still have our main show out on Mondays, and I will have news and a review every single week. Or if not a review, some sort of list or um, you know something. Because in the next week or two, we're going to have our most anticipated 2018 list out there. We're going to get to our best of 2017 lists. But we're probably going to wait till more Oscar time because we haven't still seen a lot of Oscar movies because of where we live. So we don't want to do a best of your list and then go see call me by your name or the post or then have to do uh, anything and be like, Oh, that was actually, you know, my yeah. a top five movie and then have to do it all over again. Or, you know, <laughs> it just, it makes it easier. For so, sure. um, but anyways, big question related. What we'll now be doing is doing the big question on its own show. Um, it'll probably be anywhere between 20 to 40 minutes. That'll, that'll be the time range we try to aim for. And you guys will get those every Wednesday. Um, if you guys have any topics or suggestions for the big question, uh, please send them in. That'd be great. And we can talk about stuff um, that you obviously would like to hear us talk about or you know, join the conversation on. Um, you know, we do a lot of Star Wars, Marvel, Disney sort of stuff. But hopefully by doing a big question every single week, we can kind of branch out and do more um, a variety of topics, whether that's doing you know, a best of something for our best question of you know maybe in the next couple of weeks what's the best star wars movie or what is our ranking of star wars yeah we could do that as a big question or you know whatever that may be we can kind of do that and that way our main show is an easier listen because it's not an hour and a half hour 45 episode it's an hour hour 10 and then if you feel like it hopefully you will you guys can catch another 20 to 40 minutes of us midweek as well. So uh, that is where we're moving. And as we move into 2018, thank you guys for sticking with us for 2017. Or if you guys have just joined us, this is your first episode. Thank you for stopping by. 
Hopefully you liked it and you guys will continue to listen. Um, next week, though, we don't know what we're doing. Nope. <laughs> the end of the year always brings about this uncertainty because, like you said, there's Oscar movies flying off the shelves and harder to get to the theater. Not harder to get to the theater, but um, yeah, there's a lot of uncertainty because yeah. no one really releases a movie for New Year's Day. So yes, we'll do some catching up or some looking back or mm-hmm. some... Yeah, or, or hope, hopefully, we, yeah, we maybe we'll take a week off. We haven't taken a week off all year. Which is crazy. Which is very crazy. So maybe we'll take a week off and we'll start 2018 off a week late, which will be fine. Um, but, you know, we would rather, I guess, keep up our streak and For keep doing sure. an episode um, because we enjoy doing it and that's just what we like doing. So um, before we get out of here, if you guys enjoy this episode, please subscribe, share, retweet, and more. Plus, head over to iTunes because a five-star review. Uh, be sure to tell us your thoughts on everything covered by tweeting us at Friends and Film. We also updates on the podcast, movies, and more. You can find me personally on Twitter at Coops underscore Hoops and uh, Movie Cooper, where you will see my hot takes like Jumanji 2 being a very big surprise. And but you were hating on it. I was. Best movie that came out this weekend. Which is that wow. Which I think is crazy. Yeah. Ticket stub rating, real quick. Uh four ticket stubs. Oh, snap. I thought cast was excellent, big set pieces, mm-hmm. uh super funny, and I would absolutely see a third one. Awesome. Very cool. And you? You're on Twitter? I am on Twitter. I'm back on Twitter. Just Joshua Ryan. Yes. So thanks again for tuning in to the Friends Film Podcast. Josh. Thanks for stopping in, everyone. And be sure to return next week if we're back uh, for whatever we review. If not, again, happy 2017, Mm -hmm. and we will see you in 2018.